good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii. It's uh, 10 in the morning here. It's 1 o'clock in the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington, and such. And uh, 4 o'clock Eastern, 20 hours GMT. Today's the 21st of September. It's my wife's birthday, actually. And uh, she just gets uh, younger, more beautiful, and and, and more wonderful to be with, and she's not even in the room as I say that, so it must be true. And uh, so we had a wonderful dinner last night. Today, in fact, is her birthday, so happy birthday to Doreen. Uh, today we're going to do the first of six special classes. The next six weeks will be devoted to an overview, or for some of you, a review of the core teaching in my 160 classroom hour training. As many of you know, I did a class called Meditative Hypnosis as Career uh, several times, I think four or five times in Los Angeles, a one-year-long class, 160 classroom hours, certifying people in the ageless wisdom traditions how to do both meditation and hypnosis in a very simple and basic way. And again, 160 hours is really the minimum, I think, that you need to ex to expose yourself to as a training, uh, to hold yourself out as a professional or a practitioner, uh, the very minimum. Um, some programs would require many more hours because the programs are not as effective. But uh, anybody ought to be able to, with some insight into the importance of breath, and controlling your breathing, uh, of how to use physical relaxation to adjust or orient yourself to a particular brainwave frequency, and how to stand more receptive to insight and understanding. Understanding, there it is, stand receptive to the insight, the awareness, the aha experience, and also how to be more effective at manifesting and creating and magnetizing uh, not just the things that you want in life, but the circumstances and maybe most importantly, the relationships. Uh, see, that, that's part of what the secret is about and why I, I criticize it all around the edges, although the law of attraction is a obviously proven law. Uh, so these are just some of the things that we're going to be touching on in the next six weeks. We'll uh, I, my point, I guess, simply is never hesitate in spite of where you think you may be on the path to help other people with their fear and their anxiety, to help people feel safe in a really scary world, what can be very, very stressful, produce a lot of anxiety within us, especially in these times. Um, again, it's not really danger so much as confusion. And if we keep that in mind, that our stresses are not so much about physical danger, you're, you're going to be okay. Our stresses and our anxieties carried as muscular tension and shallow breathing, a negative way of thinking, and a lot of hurt. You know how anxiety feels. That uh, That's more about confusion. And at the center of confusion is the self. So to better know yourself is to manage anxiety, and that makes you a whole lot smarter and more aware. Uh, it's a lot easier to understand large concepts in addition to the details. Often what you're looking for is not in the details, it's in the big picture, and that's uh, also facilitated. So uh, even just simple 
stress management, uh, don't hesitate to help your friends with the tools and the techniques that you learn today and in the next six weeks. We're going to be very tool-oriented, if you will, technique, a skill set oriented, and give you some practical stuff that you can begin to use in your life or supplement your particular meditation schedule with uh, at this time. Wherever you happen to be, we'll give you maybe some new techniques. And there's a lot of folks listening who took this 160-hour training and and are working as practitioners, and for you guys, this will be a nice review. So uh, that's the preview of the review, and uh, wherever you stand in this as a newbie to meditation and developing your awareness of self, or as a uh, an old hand at it, maybe even a practitioner, uh, welcome this afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. And... Uh, to present this with you as a one-on-one -on -one training, individuals pay usually twelve to fifteen hundred dollars for what I'll give you for free in the next six weeks. As a career training in class, it's a four thousand dollar training, and obviously, I'm not going to dedicate a hundred and sixty hours to to this. Uh, we'll go on to other topics and then crisscross and weave a tapestry of mind science and and philosophy, comparative religion and such as we move through the series. But I wanted to give you just the core message in each of these six classes or six. Uh, I taught it as a program called FLY, Feeling Like Yourself, all right, a self-discovery class. And I usually taught it in eight or ten sessions. But by combining the first two and just zooming right through the basics, uh, we can do this in the next six weeks, okay? Also, remember, these programs are always available. I think I mentioned earlier, maybe before I started the recording, but uh, these are always available as replays, and I'd really appreciate your support because we podcast this as well, a free podcast as the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And if you get a chance to go into the iTunes store, and write a review for this program, that would help attract other people. And uh, then they could tell other people, and we can, in that way, wage some inner peace without a dogma, without an institute to join, without any guru at its head, just a group of like-minded students that I'm happy to lead. I'll be the head student, but and I love to teach, but I'm no guru. I am a student, and together... Uh, I'm more, more like the RA at the dorm than the professor, you know. <laughs> so as a team, uh, we'll explore the wonderful world of mysticism and esoteric philosophy, comparative religion. This is the search for truth. And I started as a journalist looking for truth, and I became a philosopher looking for truth. And the more truth I find, the more I love it. You say, gosh, these are scary times. Isn't there some truth out there that is pretty ugly and pretty frightening, uh, this uh, yawning abyss before us? Uh, yeah, but that's an appearance. And the more you explore the darkness and what's really scary in the world, the safer you feel. The more you discover the truth about who you are as an individual, uh, the safer you feel, the smarter and more aware we become. And, uh, again, that's at both the meditation side, standing open, 
conceptual understanding, the big picture, and just more insight is available to us in these meditative states. And the reason I called it meditative hypnosis as a career training is the flip side of that, for it's a two-way street in the alpha brainwave state in paradise thinking, is the hypnosis side. And that's where you visualize desired outcomes. You create a, a frequency, an image in the mind, and a passion in the heart. And then you're emanating this self-love. That's our topic for the day today, by the way as the magnetic field that is the law of attraction. That's the net in the string theory. It's the magnetic law of attraction. It's consciousness. It's truth. It's love as a spiritual thing, not an emotional thing. Spiritual love is a higher frequency than what we think of as emotional love. Although, you know, I love you a little, I love you a lot, I can't believe how much I love you sort of, you know, trends into spiritual love. So that's what we're going to be doing in the next six weeks. And, uh, again, I'll do my presentation. We'll check our, our comments a little bit later. And uh, then we'll, before the 90 minutes is up, do a visualization exercise to reinforce the uh, the tool for the day. Okay? In the next six weeks, you're going to get six tools. Uh, the essence of meditation and self-hypnosis that you can use on your friends, even if you're new to the whole field. Okay. There's no danger. There's no danger to feeling safe and relaxed. The danger is anticipating a danger when it's really confusion. You've got to make that distinction. Very important. So I always begin the FLY program with the self-love after an initial intake and orientation session. And in that intake and orientation session, of course, I... Well, the intake is find out a little about, I do a lot of listening. I find out a little about the client. This is in a one-on-one -on -one or a two-on-one -on -one setting. Find out a little bit about the uh, the client and uh, what their expectations are. I never ask people, what's your problem, you know, and how can I fix you? Most people I see aren't that broken. They're actually doing quite well. <laughs> they just want to kick in the afterburners and rock and roll and be the person that they feel they're really meant to be, you know, to access that, that potential. So I would say, what's your solution in a sense? What kind of out, How can I help you? What kind of outcome or results are you looking for? Okay, if we had the Aladdin's lamp and the genie pops out, your wish is my command, as they talk about in the secret, well, that's fine, but you still need to have a wish, don't you? You have to have a dream if that dream is going to come true. So there's a lot to understanding, listening to people, trying to find out what their needs are. That's more important than giving advice. Hear me clearly. It's so much important, more important than giving advice to people. I remember training talk show people and news people to do interviews, especially in the talk show setting. I would say, look, you don't need to be the answer person. Like a lot of these right-wing, crazy, nut-job talk show guys think they have all the answers. Your job is to represent the audience and be the question person. And... You know, let the facts speak for themselves. You don't have to even editorialize that much or be that opinionated if you just sort of pull the curtain back and let the audience see and take a look, right, and 
ask the questions. Questions are so rich. Listening is a valuable gift. In conversation, it's not what you tell people that's the gift. It's the listening to people that is the real value. That, that's what your your client in a professional situation is writing the check for, so that you will listen to them, right? Not tell them what they need to do, and evoke states where they're more clear on what they need to be doing or could be doing. Again, what we're really manifesting in life are opportunities, situations, relationships. This is not about voila, a new car or a house, right? So. Uh, after that, we do a little orientation, and the primary message that 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 has to be stated at the beginning of this whole fly program, the whole six weeks that we're going to be doing here on Sunday afternoon, is the idea of personal responsibility, not only for your behavior, your actions, and your reactions, and to some extent, even what's done to you, although we're going to talk about that in a very fascinating way and give you some real powerful insights into what it means to begin to look at, am I responsible for the situation I've created? Well, at least at the beginning, it's much more important to take responsibility for how you look at the situation you're in, right? And what you do with it, your response is in your control. Hear me clearly. If what's done to you does not seem manageable, uh, does not seem like you could have prevented it or influenced it, you know, or avoided it in any way, acknowledge that and remind yourself, but I do have control over how I look at it, my attitude, how I frame it, and how I respond. And your job is to be the one who substitutes even-tempered, well-reasoned responses. Ah, well, let's see. How many ways can we look at this thing here? This is sort of a challenge to me. And how many different ways can we respond? And are there opportunities here? You know, we're on the edge or in the midst of a great global economic meltdown. And I'm thinking opportunities. Not in not, not in the you know way of exploiting people's hardship, but meeting the need of people who are suffering more from fear than finances. Right? We don't have extreme poverty in this country. Right? We have far too much poverty, and we can see the direction that it's going in. And we're going to take some hits, but we're going to be okay. And there's incredible opportunity here. In case you haven't noticed, we've become a socialist country. Um, we still have free enterprise for the middle class and the impoverished Americans, but we have socialism for the rich. It's incredibly unjust or unjust, but it's a breakdown of the old boy network. Capitalists have devoured themselves, and uh, they deregulated the very... Uh, laws and ordinances and rules and conventions that allowed them to exist, and now they've cannibalized themselves. I see lots of opportunity ahead. So instead of trying to control what's done to us, let's manage how we look at it and what we do with it and look for opportunities and be positive and optimistic. That's part of responsibility. At the beginning of this whole FLY program, we have to talk about that. But even more specifically, to be responsible for your thoughts and then for your feelings. 
And that's the hard one for most folks, so that's where we begin, to take responsibility for your emotions. And of these six classes, the first three are really emotional in nature. Four and five are mental, problem-solving, decision-making. And six is physical, peak performance. So we do three classes and three techniques on emotions, just two on the mind and only one on performance. You can see the emphasis here. Okay. So emotional intelligence is where we begin to take responsibility for your feelings, for your emotional feelings, to know that they are evoked from you, not done to you. You are not a victim of your feelings unless you feel like you are a victim of your feelings, and then, of course, you become a victim of your feelings and appeal for sympathy when you should be giving love and it's never really fulfilling. When people feel sorry for you, you don't feel wonderful, okay? So to feel wonderful, we have to give out of our bounty and minimize what we expect in return until we can maybe even get to the point where you don't need anything in return for what you give, all right? Not even to be acknowledged or appreciated, all right? To even take responsibility for those common feelings of being used unappreciated and taken for granted. Can you be accountable for that too? Okay. Often I would talk to clients in this very first intake and orientation session uh, that today we're sort of combining with number two, the self-love session. I would talk about a hypothetical, sort of a silly story, uh, imagining two people in a lifeboat out in the middle of the ocean someplace and Maybe the Titanic sank and they find themselves in this little rubber dinghy out in the middle of the Pacific. This is the hypothetical. And uh, neither can swim and they have no life preservers. And they're beginning to worry, if we lose this life raft, uh, what are we going to do if it starts leaking? I mean, I, we have no life preservers and, and I can't swim and you can't swim. So as I play out this hypothetical, at one point, I suggest that one of the two gets what appears to be a really great idea and says to the other one, I figured it out, I figured it out. You can't swim. You can't save yourself. I can't swim. I can't save myself. What are we going to do if we get a leak in this rubber dinghy? We'll just save each other. In fact, they even have a name for it. They call it the, the, uh, uh, yeah, the, the golden rule. That's it. I just have to do for you what I want you to do for me, and everything will be cool. And at this point, I would say to the client, what's absurd about that? And half couldn't tell me. I mean, everybody knows that's ridiculous. If you can't swim, you can't save the other person. All right, But only half could really find the words for it because it was so confusing. And yet it's really not that confusing. It's sort of like when you're a kid and you stand in front of a mirror and play with left and right and hold up a newspaper and it's backwards and you realize you're looking at yourself backwards in the mirror, but it's okay because it's the, uh, on and on. Uh, I'll start talking about catcher in the rye if I'm not careful here. What's, what, let's break it down to the moral of the story, which is you can't do anything for another person that you're unable to do for yourself. This is the core lesson at the beginning here. You can't do anything for another person that you are unable to do for yourself. This idea of, 
I'll do for them, please them, make them happy, and then the reward is I'll be able to do it for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, if you want to if you want to lead people up the mountain, you've got to go up the mountain. You can't wait at the bottom of the hill. Trust me, I've tried. And uh, <laughs> there's no leadership down there. So uh, you got to do, as Gandhi said, be the change that you wish to see in the world. All right. So, fine, what's the point? Why, why would I tell such an absurd story? And here I'm setting us up for a lesson on self-love. And the reason I tell such a story is because although it's absurd to think about two non-swimmers in a life raft promising to save each other, how absurd is it to think, gee, I'm lonely and empty, I don't feel really very much love, no, like nobody loves me, and I'm not really feeling very lovable, and I don't know how loving I could even be feeling so empty of love, I think I'll go find somebody else who feels like me, empty of love, and then, <coughs> excuse me, and then out of our emptiness, don't you see, we'll fill each other with love. Is that not as ridiculous as the two non-swimmers promising to save each other if they lose the life raft? I'll love you if you love me. We're both empty and devoid of love, but now, together, we can fill each other up. Well, you can say, oh, that's part of the magic of love. God works in mysterious ways. I say what it represents is our complete misunderstanding of what love is. That, As my partner Steve said, when I first met him in the late 70s, he had this phrase, I love, and I've used ever since. All love flows through your own love for you. That's the only love you can feel. It's the only love you've ever felt. It's the only love that will ever be available to you is the love that's in you. Its source is divine. It comes through you, not from you, but it's to be given to others or shared in a magnetic field. It's really not a commodity that you can pass back and forth. You know, like, <clears throat> here's a pound of love, and you give me a pound of love. And I'll give you love in this form, and you give me love back in that form. And we'll sort of barter and share. But I'm keeping track. I'm, 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 I'm keeping track of whether you give me as much love as I give you, see? And, of course, there's not anything loving about that at all. It begs the question, why does it seem to work? How could we be so confused for so many millennia and think that two lonely, empty, love-starved people could get together and make each other feel full of love? Why does it appear to work? And although I could do hours on this topic, I'll just give you the answer and let you ponder it later and we can move on. The reason it seems to work is that when we tell each other Gee, you look great in that. That really—that's a nice outfit on you. I really like the way you look. You have such a beautiful face. You know, your eyes are like a window to your soul. So, uh, you know, I—I I, um, I love being with you. Uh, you know, you, you start sharing and hugging and comforting, and what it does is not pass the love. It takes away the fear. Don't you see? 
What you're doing when you fall in love is making the other person feel loved, yeah, but what that means is safe enough, uh, relaxed enough, open and receptive enough to feel what has been standing within each individual from the very beginning. It is not only the love we've been looking for, it is the love that we are. And if you teach meditation and self-hypnosis and awareness and realization and attainment, realization, whatever you want to call it, that's what we're doing. We're teaching people to feel safe enough to experience the love that exists within via its divine source and the overshadowing spiritual hierarchy of love and then to radiate that out in the world and identify with it as not only something you've had all along but what you really are you know, uh, in the Christian Bible the Hebrew Bible no, the Christian Bible it says in John, God is love I'm sure it says similar things in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament although that's more of an angry Jehovah, uh, vengeful and such. But God is love, is in John. It doesn't say God loves you. It says God is love. Think about that. And you are created in its image. Okay. By the way, notice sometime in Genesis, if you're ever reading that stuff, that uh, it talks about we, God as we. We'll talk about that one of these days. Why does God call itself we? In a monotheistic religion, that's like, I don't know how why that gets overlooked, but we'll talk about that one day. So you get the deal about self-love? All right. So then we talk about responsibility for emotions, and yeah, we got to take responsibility for how we're feeling right now. Take responsibility. This is a freedom, not a burden. To be responsible is not to blame yourself, it's to be free, to understand yourself and make better decisions, right? To feel better about yourself as you discover that that self is love and understanding, don't you see? So, the best place to begin, it seems to me, is not with how to heal the hurt, but let's talk about how to take responsibility for love, and to be the love that we already are, but to allow that, to experience that, to, to develop that, and then to express it out into the world. Okay, Help other people to do the same, essentially. So next week in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, at the same time, right here every Sunday, unless you're listening to the replays and hello from the past, um, we'll do um, the... Healing hurt from childhood, healing the old hurt. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. And then the week after that, two weeks from today, lesson three of this six-part series, we'll talk about understanding your current emotions and how to actually dialogue internally with your emotional nature. Hello, you know, like ground control to Major Tom. It's like awareness to the mind, awareness calling the emotional nature it is awareness here not the thought not the feeling it is awareness calling <laughs> to look at the to detach in a mindful way not dissociate to detach in a mindful way to be more aware from that one step back that overview that elevated point of view 
of why we think and feel the way we do. That's what we're all about. That's the mystery. That's the great part of all of this, why it's so fun and empowering at the same time. Self-love. Let's begin with the self-love, and then we'll do, well, what about that old hurt in two weeks from today? Uh, what about this current hurt? You know, whether I'm just, just I'm so angry or I'm so terrified or or I'm so apathetic. <laughs> I mean, even apathy hurts. Have you noticed? Uh, numbness. You can be so depressed uh, uh, or even beyond depressed to a point of being numb, and yet being numb hurts. It carries an ache. It's like, how can, how can it be that not feeling my emotions hurts so much? If I'm not feeling them, well, what is this ache, you know? It's evidence that, from my point of view, that you're a divine creature, that you're a spiritual being in form, and that you're experiencing that divine homesickness, that, as we say, the longing of the part to be whole, uh, the longing of the hurt to be healed. Okay, that's what that's about. And yet, again, we've already got what we're looking for, and that's love, and indeed that's not only something we have, but who we are, that which comes through us, not from us so much, although that would be the appearance, but through us. You know, there, there's no running out. The more loving you are, the more love you become. You know, And the reverse is true also. I love paradox. But we're not going to talk just in riddles today. We're going to give you some practical tools and techniques around self-love. All right. So what does it mean to love yourself? And I think a concept we have to deal with that I always try to include in these classes or one-on-one counseling sessions is the built-in resistance that most people have to personal development and even spiritual development, really. To become better is uh, frightening to a lot of people. Again, we have these old biblical injunctions about do not hide your light under the bushel, you know, or don't curse the darkness, light a candle. Well, be the candle, be the light in your life. What is it we're afraid of? Well, I think most of us um, are either so codependent or have been so codependent, so emotionally dependent and and needy, that we're afraid that if we become confident and self-reliant, even in the best sense, that we'll be perceived as arrogant and pompous, what's the word the right wing uses, elitist, uh, the racist says uppity, <laughs> you know, you don't know your place, uh, what is it on the street? All that and the bag of chips. Somebody, you just think you're uh, really hot stuff, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess uh, self-confidence and to be mentally and emotionally healthy does carry a risk of being seen as or perhaps misperceived as arrogant or, or full of oneself, but that would be a misperception because... As I think probably everybody on this call knows, and I think most people in general uh, understand, the more you know about yourself, the more you know the truth of who you are, the less fear and worry there is, the less anxiety there is, and the less need there is for a phony ego, for a trumped-up uh, identity. I mean, the person with the real 
uh, ego problem is not somebody who thinks they're better than you. There's somebody who thinks they're small and weak and inadequate, and the ego is a big front. I don't know why that's not apparent to everybody, but a lot of people get it, and a lot of people don't seem to understand it. You know, the guy with the uh, uh, the, the the barroom swagger, you know, looking for a fight, always, you know, chip on his shoulder, something to prove in the world. You know, the big ego thinks he can do no wrong, never apologizes for anything, uh, that uh, never gets vulnerable. That's not somebody that knows who they are and is confident, <laughs> right? Uh, and if you become confident, you're not going to be perceived as being arrogant and pompous. For the more you know about yourself, truthfully, the sweeter and kinder and gentler you become. Uh, you become intolerant, uh, if I can say it this way, of your own bad behavior as you long to develop your sweetness and your gentleness and uh, loving kindness and compassion. Okay, that's the truth of who you are. That's all anybody wants is a hug. You know, uh, doesn't matter what kind of warrior or terrorist you are, if you're into killing other people, then uh, you don't feel very safe in the world. But that's what you're bringing to the party. That's not what the world is doing to you. And it's some point in the near future, some significant number of people in the world are going to get this bigger lesson of personal responsibility. No life is a perception and uh, take some ownership here, and then we can dream up a new world by loving ourselves first, always loving the self first. It means to know what you care about to be aware that you care. It's not just ownership of your behavior and your health. It's not just ownership of your thoughts, but ownership of how you feel at a really deep and intimate level. And as you meditate and reflect and, and contemplate in your daily life and affairs, know that the thoughts and feelings that fall away are the ones that are false. That's the chaos. That's the confusion, that's the fear, false evidence appearing real, that falls away. What remains in these contemplative states is what's true, the right answer and the honest feeling, right? And though your ideas can be wrong, consider that your emotions are never wrong. You've never had a wrong feeling in your life, physical or emotional feeling. I'd argue a mental feeling is an intuition, and those are not wrong either. Thoughts can <laughs> thoughts can be wrong. Gee, I thought no, thought it, I guess I was wrong. But your emotions are never wrong, right? Any more than you could have a physical feeling in your body that's wrong. You might misinterpret the feeling or misunderstand the feeling. You know, like I got very angry, and I thought that meant you were a hateful person, right? And then I realized wait a minute, that's my anger, that says far more about me than you, hold on, hold on, I think I'm getting it, and now nobody's angry, right? Loving your enemy. It's about understanding yourself first. Know thyself, to thine own self be true. Love yourself that you have love to give. <laughs> you can't love anybody beyond the amount of love you allow for yourself. 
get that. All love flows through your own love for you. You do not have the ability to give to another, to emanate, to radiate, to behave in such a way as to promote love in a relationship beyond the amount of self-love you permit. And not only can you not give beyond that amount, but obviously you could not then, in a sense, receive any more than you allow for yourself. You wouldn't even recognize it. You wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't believe it. Have, have, have you not ever had someone say to you that they loved you very much and you didn't believe them? Or you thought they were lying or, or had an agenda <laughs> of some sort? We are inherently resistant to to our own self-love. We're, we're a little less resistant to being loved by others. We're real resistant to the idea that we are the love we've been looking for and that what we care about speaks directly to who we really are. And what we care about in quiet, calm, relaxed emotional states, that's the higher passion that remains when the emotional turmoil is tranquilized with meditation, with breath, with the letting go of physical tension. So if you can overcome your fear that you'll be seen as not just self-confident with high levels of healthy uh, self-esteem, but that you might be seen as pompous or arrogant, if you can release that and know the truth is that's what we're moving away from, what you're going to become is more, uh, you become more confident and your self-esteem grows, the nature of the self evolves and you become more divine. You You find your your uh, spiritual, as well as your human, your spiritual potential as a really sweet person. You allow that kindness to come forward. It, and it means being more vulnerable in the world. When you open yourself to be kind and to give love from this bounty of self-love that is divine, you open the gates, and yes, you do become more vulnerable. But we're built for such things. We're built for hurt. And we can. Our job is even to redeem the hurt within us, and then in the world. Have you ever heard the saying, "Ships are safe in the harbor," but that's not what ships are for. They're for sailing on the high sea. You have to risk to move toward the purpose. You have to risk to even find the personal meaning, much less the universal purpose of things. Uh, you could even argue that risk is the purpose <laughs> or uh, the means by which the meaning, the means by which we attain the purpose, which is to grow. Life needs to grow. That means learn, expand, um, reach new heights, attain, um, heal. Right? The longing of the part to be whole, the longing of the hurt to be healed. Another thing that self-love means as we begin to move on uh, beyond our, our resistance, our fears of personal and spiritual growth and development, is just treating yourself like somebody that you love. And that means suspending a lot of the mental criticism that we put ourselves through. Uh, it's mostly produced by anxiety. So to manage stress in your life is a big, giant step in the direction of letting go of the self-criticism. That, that, <laughs> that, that parent in, in trying
transactional analysis, that's the critical parent. And it often will take your parent's voice, but if you listen carefully, uh, it's often really you. It's your ego uh, uh, degrading you and uh, filled with self-loathing and, and criticizing you and, and even arguing that we need this self-flagellation. We need to criticize ourselves. Otherwise, we might start having too much fun in life and feeling too free and and thinking we're really wonderful people and expecting peace and justice in the world and working to create peace and justice in the world. And, of course, the fear mongers say, well, we can't have that. You know, we need violence and injustice and more violence and more injustice because that works. I heard a right-winger say that on a cable TV show. Bill Maher, I was actually on Bill Maher. Mark called this guy out, this right-winger, is totally cynical and appealing to the unaware and the, and the, the, the low-information voter and how cynical you are because you're obviously smarter than that. The guy shrugs and says it works. Even more cynical, it works, right? Don't get me going. <laughs> Back to the idea of self-love. That works, too, all right? And it's much more powerful than fear. There is no struggle between the light and the dark. There is no struggle between good and evil. There is no struggle between love and fear, all right? So the, the catch-22 is simply you have to find it within. Begin to treat yourself as you would treat somebody that you love. Do nice things for yourself. Let go of that self-loathing through relaxation and, and mental reflection. Let go of that critical parent and start affirming. You can, you can be the one in mindful detachment and meditation and reflection who says, no, I disagree with that critical thought. I'm not stupid. Right? No, wait a minute. I have a very good memory. I just remembered a little later than I wanted to. I didn't forget. I just, I'm really glad I remembered before more time had gone by. You look on the positive side. That's not a failure. That's a learning lesson. Wow, I'll never make this mistake again. You know, get your cap set straight. Get your attitude on right. And that's, that's part of self-love. Treat yourself with gentleness and kindness. My friend Kimberly Hart used to say that to me. I hear her voice when I think of those words. She's visiting on Maui. I'm going to see her in a few days. Treat yourself, she would say repeatedly. Treat yourself with gentleness and kindness. As if you are someone you really, really love. Be sweet and gentle to yourself. Do nice things for yourself. Slow down. Breathe. Take a bath, Calgon, take me away, carry me away, <laughs> sweep me away, whatever that was. Okay. Uh, linger for a while. Slow down. Watch a spider spin a web. Spend a little more time petting the cat or scratching the dog behind the ears. Work on your schedule so there's quality time for you and your partner and your family and your friends and and, and you don't give your whole life away trying to keep your head, head, head above water and then create some kind of 
loving, happy life on the scraps of time that are left. Give it up. All right? And care for yourself with gentleness and kindness. <laughs> I think you'll be surprised as you do this work just how resistant you are to loving yourself and and how the ego takes credit for this. It's not the ego that you're loving. When you love your enemy, it's not their ego or their eneminess that you love. It's namaste, namaste. It's the violet flame, the Brahma, the divine, the one, the all in you that I greet. I'm not fooled by the package it comes in. Even though you think you are the package, I will not be fooled. And I will love you. Namaste. I may not hang out with you, especially if you're abusive. Uh, I may uh, work to redirect your energy, if not oppose you. Work to redirect your energy uh, if you're disruptive and having a uh, fear-based, negative, hateful, often violent effect on other people. But I also know you are fear. That's what a lot of us don't get, which I'm going to repeat as often as it occurs to me to repeat it, that Bush and Cheney as symbols of what's wrong in this world are frightened little men, that that the people that use fear against us and understand how they can control us with fear, that they are frightened. Little men, straw men, hollow men, empty men, soulless. I mean, they're not really soulless, but they've walled themselves off from their souls for whatever reason. For whatever reason. I mean, the idea that Bush talks to God, well, that doesn't say very much for God, does it? It's like a taboo that nobody wants to say, but if Bush is talking to God, then which God is he talking to? The, the God of, of starvation and torture and, and extraordinary rendering in prisons and dungeons and waterboarding? That God? <clears throat> May we learn this lesson once and for all about conflating religion with politics or even with our internal moral codes and ethics. Religion can speak to that, but it's certainly not the sole arbitrator of my conscience and the goodness that's available in each and every one that we can witness and see and honor and acknowledge. Self-love has to come first. You have nothing for anybody unless and until you begin to treat yourself like the most lovable person you've ever met. To put yourself first, I know this is hard because it feels selfish, but as I've said so many times, I never tire of saying it, but <laughs> sometimes I, I, I'm afraid you'll be concerned if I repeat the same things too often, but the oxygen mask, there's always new people on board, the oxygen mask on the airplane, and they always tell you before takeoff that, if this thing should fall down, put yours on before you start to help other people. Is that selfish? Or is that just smart? The best you can do for another person is to put yourself first, to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Uh, 
to treat yourself with kindness and gentleness so that you can practice loving kindness to others. Doesn't that make sense? To, to manage your stress so that you can help others to feel safe and, and relaxed and unafraid. Yes, selfish people put themselves first and then go do selfish things without caring. But the most philanthropic and charitable people put themselves first to maximize their contribution. Keep this in mind because ego is going to keep arguing with you in the most creative of ways and telling you to put yourself down. Keep yourself small. That's ego's job is all. I mean, don't blame the ego. It wants you to survive. It just thinks you are the package that you come in. But it, it wants that package to survive. That's its job. And truth of the matter is that ego feels a little bit threatened by spiritual growth. <laughs> as, you, as you understand not only that you have the love you're looking for, but you, that you are that love that you're looking for, uh, it, it, it's afraid it's going to go away. Right? Um, Ego death in Eastern philosophy is a rich concept. Western mystics talk about alchemical betrothal, the spiritual wedding, the alchemical wedding of of ego or persona to the soul. So the ego becomes manageable. It's like in the car, but it doesn't get to drive. Higher self gets to drive. It's your little brother. It's your buddy. It's your little ego. And sometimes out in the world, you need that thing. Okay, You need a sense of self as a separated being. That's the ego's job. But the truth of who you are is that you're not separated from anything. And uh, love is the magnetic field in between the one and, and the many. Between unity and diversity is the magnetic love, you see. That if you were to create an electromagnetic field around you, vis-a-vis -vis the law of attraction, then, and love is obviously the magnetic agent here, consciousness, truth, then we have to be the love we're looking for in the world. That's love your enemy. That's love yourself. Now, how do we do this practically? Because if I told you to, uh, you know, as soon as this class is over today, run and find a big mirror and sit in front of the mirror and Speaking to yourself in the mirror, tell yourself, <laughs> I was just thinking of Stuart Smalley. Remember that Al Franken character years ago on Saturday Night Live? and sort of did the parody on the, on the AA 12-step uh, program, uh, which I really like. But he was putting down, he's making fun of, uh, I shouldn't get into AA. It's a very valuable program, and it's misrun in a lot of places, but there's a lot of wonderful benefits coming out of it, too. Uh, don't make me take sides in that one. But Al Franken is this character, uh, Stuart Smalley, I think was his name, would, would parody these affirmations as he looked at himself in the mirror and say, because you're good enough and you're smart enough and by golly, people like you. And, and yet, you know, that's exactly what I want you to do. But if I had you sit in front of a mirror and do it, you'd feel silly and stupid and childish and uh, uh, you wouldn't do it. And oddly, a great way to avoid this childish feeling is to use the inner child. And so that's what I'm going to do, is introduce you to a concept of self-love by reminding you that everyone you've ever been is still within you. 
I mentioned at the top of the program today, it's Doreen's birthday today. She, in a sense, waxes one more year, adds a number to her age. She waxes, she grows like a tree, a new ring every year, right? Which means that every tree that tree has ever been, every uh, candle that's in the dipped candle over and over and over again, uh, the smaller and smaller candle every tree this tree has ever been is still within it. Everybody you've ever been is still within you. When you get to a birthday, you don't lose some part of you to become who you are becoming. You're all of that. You're still the most terrified you've ever been as a little child. You are still the most lost and abandoned that you ever felt as a child, unless you've had some really good therapy, you know. And uh, and self therapy and self-help, self-improvement, and uh, even if you have, you can always do better. So let's visit that even more lovable part of you and practice a skill here with guided imagery, meditation, visualization, guided imagery, uh, the alpha brainwave state, uh, contemplation, reflection, hell, yoga, whatever I didn't mean hell. Heck, yoga, whatever you want to uh, call it, to go to this level of focused passion. That's what Steve and I call it. Mentally focused, emotionally passionate. Again, not the passion of emotions and turmoil, but the passion of the higher heart that burns above the calm emotional nature and the quiet mind. In the still body. And if it's appropriate for you now, close your eyes. Put your notepad down. And get comfortable. If you're listening on the telephone and don't have a headset yet, get one. So you can just sit back in a comfortable place and relax. And you don't have to sit rigidly straight, but comfortably straight, as if aspiring to a spiritual source that stands straight above you, as if there is a string that someone above you pulls through your head and spine, and you just, like a marionette, feel that opening, and stand receptive via the top of your head and your spine to an imaginary, perhaps, but in any event, imagine an impress of love, of Elan, of Kundalini, of Holy Spirit, gently raining down, filling you in the head and the spine opening at the base of the spine and as you fill with this energy this life force this spirit to the level of the sacral and the solar plexus you feel your heart beginning to open and your throat as you begin to realize the imperative nature of expressing the essence of who you are through air and out into the world through your word 
truthfully in the world, opening in the pituitary, the agina center, in the middle of the brows, opening in the crown. For it is a downward flow, you see, of spirit into matter that creates the gentle uplifting, the gentle magnetic pull of consciousness upward. It is the downward flow of spirit as consciousness, as love and truth into matter that creates the development and the expansion and the uplifting, the refinement of consciousness itself. Imagine yourself in a beautiful place. In your mind's eye, especially if you're a visual and love creating pictures in your mind. See the trees and the shrubs and the grasses and let it unfold before you. There's no need for you to second guess yourself or, or to edit. You know, just let it unfold. Go with your first impression. And maybe you're visualizing really well, but not sure that you're very good at visualizing. Well, tell yourself, remind yourself, it doesn't really matter because the feeling that you're making it all up is exactly the right feeling. <laughs> and so however you visualize it, this beautiful place of perfect peace, that's your frame of reference, and that's just fine. Those of you that are more auditory will listen to my voice and allow my voice to guide you. The visuals also be guided by the sound of my voice. You will always know the difference between my voice and your own free will and consciousness and awareness of self. But I can guide you as a friend and be with you. And feel in your body, especially those of you who are kinesthetics, and understand through sense and sensation of the physical being. Allow yourself to feel the peace, to feel the beauty. Visually, auditorially, as you hear birds singing in the wind and the trees, as you feel the gentle warmth of the sun, not too hot, just right, and in the shade, a little cooler, but wonderful, even enchanted in the forest, as well as the sunny, warm meadows. There are little mountain streams here, spilling down the hillside, splashing and dancing and singing merrily as they tumble down over the rocks. And maybe a little pond or a small lake, a reflecting pool, and plenty of wonderful little safe places, many of them filled with splashes of color, wild flowers of all shapes and sizes. And if your place is in the tropics, flowers in the trees as well, raining down, sometimes it rains in the tropics and flowers fall from the sky. Even the fragrances of this place of perfect peace that you're experiencing right now through my guidance and suggestion. You can smell the wonderful odors, 
sense of nature in this beautiful paradise of perfect peace, an ideal place of relaxation. And as you sit down upon the earth, you find a place, a particular spot, and sit upon the earth and feel rooted, grounded like a tree or a bush, imagining how it would feel to be a spiritual lightning rod whose job it is to move spirit into the ground, to bring energy into form. And you are the means, the middle, the son and daughter of Father Spirit and Mother Matter. Feel that connection to the earth as clearly as you feel the connection through the top of your head to the sky. And looking up the path that brought you here, imagine that you see coming toward yourself a child who even though they're still quite far away, you judge to be about four years old. Maybe three, maybe five, but in that area, about four years old, plus or minus. And as this child comes a little closer, well, Pretty quickly, you see that this is you. This is the little child that you are at age four. And at about this time, as yourself, as a child, approaches the adult that you've become, the child recognizes you somehow and runs to you before you can even stand. You remain seated as yourself, as a child of four, runs to you and leaps into your arms, throws their little arms around your neck, and you embrace them gently but firmly. And you open your heart. And whatever you feel, and especially if you cry, weep freely, allow yourself to weep. Those are the child's tears more than the adult you've become. This child thought you forgot about them. That you don't remember being happy for no reason. <coughs> and so cry those tears and love yourself and bring the child away from you just a bit. Hold them and the upper part of either arm on the outside of the arms just, just push them back from you a little bit and look into that face <laughs> you know what you look like at that age and just get a sense of what a sweet person you are this is before your spirit was broken before you gave up on trying to please other people to earn love before you threw in the towel and gave up before you believed and incorporated those false assumptions that you were just beginning to make about yourselves, this child, this part of you that many of us have forgotten about, 
is so obviously lovable, filled with joy, happiness for no reason at all, that should be easy enough for us to apologize. The adult we've become to the child said, I'm really sorry, I did forget about you and your joy. And, and my ability to be happy for no reason, man, I totally forgot. I went to school or something. I'm not sure exactly how they beat that out of me. But it happens to everybody in childhood. Nobody gets enough love. Don't. This isn't blame your parents' day. This is love your child day. So I'm sorry I forgot about you. I for, I'm sorry I forgot about that one doll or that that puppy dog, that stuffed dog you used to drag around with you. Or that uh, drawing that you brought home from kindergarten that uh, Mom put on the wall and Dad made such a big deal out of. I, I forgot all about that. I'm sorry. I won't ever do it again. In fact, Michael is suggesting that you could stay with me, that you could live in my heart as a symbol of spiritual love, for I cannot conceive of the Most High. I have been advised not to give shape or form to the Most High, for it would be limiting to even name the unnameable. Though we aspire to it, we cannot know it in this form. But I can know you. I can love you. You're as close to God as I could get. <laughs> Look at you. You... It, you came into the world so precious and so full of love, and I want that now. I need that now in my life. The world's crazy, and I'm all grown up, and I have all these responsibilities. Could you live in my heart forevermore? Could you be the portal to the most divine? Can you represent perfect love? unconditional existence in this world of separated forms and objects and symbols of things more substantial though to most invisible and unseen. Could you live in my heart forevermore and represent that Innocence of consciousness, of awareness, of wonder. If you lived in my heart and wondered as a four-year-old wonders, would my life be full of wonder? Would it be wonderful? And I'll never forget about you again. I'll visit you every day, even if just for a minute or two. But often for 10 or 15 minutes, I could come and play with you. And, and we could together, the adult that I've become, and you, the four-year-old, perfect love, self-love. Well, we could go for walks in, in the woods here, or we can climb hills, we can swim. There's a beautiful little lake over here with a raft out in the middle. There's a tree swing. I just made it up. We could go pick flowers and ride bicycles and fly kites and play baseball and roll down that big grassy hill over there that I just imagined. You and me running to the top of and rolling down the hill. 
God, I want to roll down the hill. Don't you want to roll down the hill? Do you want to climb a tree and be invisible to the adults who walk underneath and have forgotten to huddle their cup? And have forgotten to huddle their cup? Well, of course, your child wants to stay with you. And so you embrace again and imagine yourself gently drawing the essence of yourself as a four-year-old into the heart of the person you've become at this age, the adult. Feel that love and that sweetness and that kindness. Can you bear it? Can you, can you handle that much love? Can you yield and surrender to the love that you are? Can you bear that much light let the love break you. This is not fear breaking you. This is love breaking you. Cry, weep, breathe. That's what the crying is about. It's reminding you to breathe. Ah. Take another slow, deep breath from the center of your being, from behind the navel. Let it fill you as you ah, exhale now. Ah. Boy, sigh of relief. Nirvana is a sigh of relief. Feeling safe. Feeling more whole. Still there's a longing. Still there's more. But feel this wholeness, this self-love. This love of self. At an age when there's no question of your merit and your deservingness and the obvious reminder that as a baby you were born with nothing but love no fear other than heights and loud noises no fear at all as a child gets a little older they learn fear of abandonment but there is an inherent fear of being separated that is a delusion children don't have for the first several years of their lives. They don't feel separated. That's why peekaboo is so fun. If they don't see you, they think you went away. It's a great mystery, for they believe they are you. Our children beautiful and wonderful? They believe they are us. They know what we have forgotten. I am that I am. And bring this sense of love and joy and peace, understanding and harmony with you effortlessly. There's nothing to remember. Let go, take a deep breath, reorient yourself now toward the sound of my voice, remembering where you are. And when you're ready and it feels right for you, take another nice, slow, deep breath and Hold as you peek and as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go and open your eyes wide awake and alert, rested and refreshed and back in the room and uh, having a full and complete memory of what we just did so you can practice it and share it with other people. It's basic inner child work and self-love and I never tire of doing that technique. I always get a little verklempt. Well, we got a few minutes left in our uh, our uh, webinar today, so I'm going to look at uh, 
some of the uh, questions and comments that those of you listening via the web live this morning are uh, submitting. First of all, from Anaheim, California, where the I follows the E, he says, yeah, I think I love myself, but uh, there's still ways in which I act out sometimes that tell me uh, that maybe it's not true. He talks about sexually acting out and looking for validation. Or, boy, By the way, that's a great level of awareness to get to. When you realize that your relationships are about <laughs> not the relationship itself so much, but uh, validating yourself like uh, cowboys, you know, they when they killed somebody, they put a notch on the gun. I think a lot of guys are putting notches on the bedpost. That's a very good hit, boy. Um, that frees you then to go on to a whole higher level of relationship. Um, doing things that are often not in alignment with my values, James goes on. Sometimes it's the one step forward, two steps back for me. How do we get to the point where we know that we love ourselves? Michael, uh, thank you so very much for your work like this. And then he says something that I'm not going to read because I would blush. It's just too kind and too generous of a compliment. Uh, but I'll look at it later, James. Thank you. I really <laughs> do appreciate that. And I accept your blessings. Uh, well, how do we do it? I just gave you a technique. You asked that question before. Uh, I gave the technique, but there is a way. Just honor and respect your emotions. You are more your emotional nature than you are your thoughts. Okay? Thoughts are supposed to be critical. They're deductive. They take things apart. Use your thoughts to understand yourself. It'll take you apart, you see? And often assume your parents' voice or the voice of other critical authority figures in your life and, and dismantle you and then tell you it's for your own good. But if you allow yourself to be the love that stands above emotional turmoil, the love that remains when we calm our emotional nature, that level of passion, uh, that's love. That's loving yourself. It's loving that you are love. Loving <laughs> that you are the love you've been looking for, and not only do you have it, you are it. All right. I can't say that too much. Um, John in Pittsburgh, and, uh, good afternoon, John. He says, aloha, Michael, happy birthday to Doreen. He's enjoying the last day of summer. Jeez, I'd forgotten about that. We are on the cusp here, aren't we, on his lanai. Thank you. In Pittsburgh, they call it a patio. You're a lanai listening in on his laptop. Lots of folks listening on the telephone today, too. Remember, you have that option. In Oxnard, Randall's with us again this week. Hello, Randall, aloha. And Randall says, looking forward to these series of classes that you're offering yeah, very, very much good. Remember, today is the first of the six. And there are principles we talk about every week, but I'm, I want you to have these six tools for free. Okay? Develop them. And, uh, you know, one of these days, Steve and I are going to do, we have talked about, but we're just working so hard on upgrading our premium podcast and, and the website that we haven't put as much attention into the live uh, program that we'd like to uh, do for you here on Maui as we had planned. So we are planning that, and you might want to start, uh, I know the economy looks weird, but what better way to respond to it than make a plan to come to 
Maui for personal development seminars. And so we're going to have that available. Um, we're going to try and keep them small and manage manageable and very personal so you get a lot of really upfront time uh, with us. Uh, initially, I think we're talking about uh, 10 to 15 people, something like that, you know, uh, five, six, seven couples perhaps. But we're going to do those seminars in Maui. Uh, this is a magical, magical, <laughs> magical place. This is the Rainbow Bridge, right? This is the base of the Shishimna that connects us to the higher self. And I mean that obviously in a symbolic sense, but in quite a literal way, heaven is closer to earth here. And this is a very powerful place. I can tell you that for sure. Um, Sylvia in Granada Hills says, Happy birthday to Doreen. Thank you, Sylvia. I'll pass that on for sure. In Oceanside, or Oside, uh, Roberto says, Greetings. He says he's uh, missed the show the last couple of weeks, but he's going to pick up the replays. Appreciate you making that available. Yeah, let me remind you also that um, in addition to getting the replays by just saving these emails, with the link in them, same that same site that we're using now is the link to use for the replay, or getting it from my website under the web teleconference link. They're all there, the upcoming one, the past ones. Also a link to send to your friends. It's very cool. That's brand new. Check that out. Send one or more of these programs to your friends in an email. We'll even send the email for you. It's You don't even mess with links and pasting or anything. It's too cool. Check that out at theagelesswisdom.com under web teleconference. Just click homepage to go inside and then web teleconference and they're all there. And I also would love for you, I mentioned this before we began today, before I started the recorder, but if uh, you're ever in iTunes um, and can go to the store, the iTunes store, and write a little review of this webinar, because we podcast this, and, you know, if, if you're on the road, and you didn't have any email access, and you didn't even know the name of my website, you could just go to the iTunes store, and all the all of these webinars, the Mystery School webinars are there, and if you could... Uh, add a, uh, a review there, an honest review, a truthful review uh, of what you think about this uh, Sunday class, then that would help attract other people, and I'd like that a lot. That, to me, is waging inner peace. On a surprise, Arizona, uh, no surprise that Lorelei is with us, and uh, thank you, Lorelei. She says, great show. I think of it as a show sometimes, too. It is a class. It is a webinar. It is a show. <laughs> It's all of that. Uh, Greg Simonian uh, in Las Vegas. Hello, Greg. I got your phone message and uh, going to call you back later today. He says, happy birthday and best wishes to Doreen. And uh, Peggy in Long Beach says, thanks, Michael. Nice to hear from you folks. And, uh, again, I, I very much appreciate uh, that you take the time to be here. Live, I think there's a special energy when we're live. And, uh, you know, that admonition in the Christianity when two or more are gathered in my name. Bucky Fuller used to call this 
synergy. It's the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so if, you know, 40 or 50 people get together and they're listening together and they're opening their hearts together and, my goodness, meditating together on the Internet, I think you can see the possibility here and that the net that we create, the network that we create of consciousness in the group mind is very similar to the network of brain cells in the brain or the internet that is every computer that's hooked to the internet touching in a sense every other computer no separation in spite of appearance right well you can begin to see how maybe the totality of that would be greater and more significant than the sum of all the parts would indicate. That's a great phrase. You know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Ah, that's, that, you know, that's that's a physical truth, the law of physics in, the, in, in Bucky's geodesics and the domes that he gets from nature and the way nature builds things with fractals and uh, in a more esoteric way also. Very rich, very beautiful. So, uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, again, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, please continue to wage inner peace. Forward these emails to your friends. I appreciate it so much. This is an add-on, really a program that is brought to you free of charge by FocusPassion.com. And many of you, I know, are subscribers to the premium podcast. It's only 99 cents a week that Steve and I do together. And if you're not, well, push on the, if you're on the web live now, you can just push on that button. If you're listening to the replay, the button will also be in the lower right. Um, it's only those of you on the telephone that would have to type into your browser, focusedpassion.com. Otherwise, you'll see a button that says Wage Inner Peace. And go there and become a supporter of our efforts here for 99 cents. It doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it can add up pay for the broadband, help us to grow this thing and provide even more programming and more content if you like what we're doing and, and you believe in it. Become a subscriber. Um, we're a couple of weeks away from an upgrade. You're certainly welcome to go there today and enter your credit card number and then just swipe, copy, and paste into your iTunes uh, where it says subscribe to podcast. It's as simple as that. But in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a one-click deal that will make it even simpler. And uh, so we'll continue to keep you updated. Write the review on the iTunes store if you can. That'd be really great. And uh, just help us spread the word. You know, without religion, without dogma, without some ritualistic one right way, we can all together be students. Again, I come from a journalist's background of the ageless wisdom from all times and all cultures and all societies. The, spiritual ideas that have stood the test of time, been handed down from lip to ear for generation after generation. The Invisible College, the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Okay, every Sunday we'll be here. And if I take one off, then uh, I'll be sure to let you know in advance. But for now, I'll be here if you will. Okay, I love doing it. And again, thank you so very much. You can call me anytime, 24-7 at my voicemail, 818 Five six nine three zero one seven eight one eight five six nine three zero one seven. 
3017. And you can email me at the, uh, wait a minute, that's my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Just put my initials in front of it, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. You got my email address, okay? The blog is at theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. And that's the newsletter archive, but also you can comment there. Okay. We may do discussion groups and chat rooms around this in the future, but right now, other than the live feedback during the class, you do have the opportunity to comment on the newsletter blog. That's theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. Okay. And again, the basic website, theagelesswisdom.com. Well, Almost the end of the uh, allotted period, I promise I'll never do less than an hour and never do more than 90 minutes. And so, happy end of summer and beginning of autumn. And uh, happy lifetime to you and that inner child that you're healing and who is healing you to become more whole. And as always, be gentle of life and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner from Maui. Aloha. Aloha.